0: Hey, this is Rob, and this is episode 28 of the Folly Coffee Podcast. Let's get it brewing. So this episode features a really good friend of mine, Kevin Kokenauer. We go all the way back to like my elementary school days. He is an amazing chef, and so we decided to start a new YouTube series on the Folly YouTube page. Go check it out. It's going to be called Cooking and Coffee with Kevin Cook, where we make coffee and cook with coffee. It's basically a show where he's a really great chef, makes awesome recipes, and so Every episode is going to feature a coffee at the beginning where we're just going to make it to drink it and then it's going to feature some sort of recipe or like today's was a dry rub with this ribeye. It was awesome and so this episode was basically right after we finished filming episode one where we did a full recap of what we did that day and then of course... After going through like what he's about, kind of going through all about like cooking and coffee and what this entire YouTube series is going to be about, uh, we, of course, talk about very briefly our opinions on Love is Blind because that is important. So this will have a video component, so you can check this out on YouTube, you can see the video of us talking together, or you can listen to it on any platform, Spotify, iTunes, or wherever. If you're hearing this, you're listening to it on something. So there's that. So... I'll shut up and let you guys enjoy. He and Cher <laughs> were the first people to do an Anyway, welcome to episode... <laughs> uh, what is this? I think it's episode 29 or 30. I think I just did the live <laughs> interview with Joe on Instagram. Okay. So This is 29 or 30. But this is the first video interview in person. It's been good. Uh, every... Um, every podcast episode that's been an interview up to this point has either been audio only or we've done the Instagram live so this is the first time testing out uh the video platform on pumping out some content speaking of content we just finished episode 1 of what is it uh, uh coffee and cook coffee coffee and cooking with Kevin Coke where we make coffee and cook and we cook, cook with, with coffee, coffee. so what we're gonna was, get that. Why don't you do a little recap of what we did for episode one?
1: At, yeah, absolutely. Uh, so I love how like spontaneous was. We didn't really have a plan, but I think that's probably the best way to do it. Mm-hmm. it you know, it allows for a little spontaneity. But um, <clears throat> basically, every episode we're gonna try and highlight uh, very quickly some sort of a, a coffee brewing method done by me, who is not an expert. So today we did French press. Turned out pretty good. It's so a good. Good cup of French press. Yeah, good cup. It starts with the good beans. We used uh SLB espresso. Um, and then we headed downstairs to my backyard, and we made a uh, coffee rub. Um, it's basically like a chili coffee rub and put it on a nice ribeye steak and some veggies. We had a like a two-pound ribeye
0: um, that the butcher was surprised I wanted. Yeah, this is a part of the whole... 2020 year of content for folly. Yeah, like, well, it's one of the things where it's kind of difficult to decide where to spend your time. And this whole COVID nineteen coronavirus uh, quarantine enclosure has kind of uh, freed up some time, but also made me kind of think about what we want to do at folly in terms of content. And I've always lived by the rule that anything I'm going to add that's going to make me busier, I want it to be something I want to do. And right, and so I was like. Well, obviously, like cooking is something I love doing already. You're very, very good at it. But then also, what would people who drink Folly coffee, like what would they be into? And it's kind of what we were chatting about out there that, you know, people who are making coffee at home or who really enjoy coffee, what are other things that they are probably into? And like, they're definitely cooking. Craft beer. Yeah, craft beer for sure. And so we we incorporated some dangerous man Mm -hmm. into that episode. And cooking. And so I'm like, there's so many tips that I've picked up from you over time that are just small things that even in this episode, I, there are like three things I already logged in my brain. that I'm like, this is definitely something that people will be into. Right. And so uh, when I first reached out to you, I was like, would you be into some sort of cooking YouTube series that has to do something with coffee? And Hell yeah. And you were like, what do you mean? Yeah, initially. I mean, now I'm like, hell yeah, but
1: initially I'm like, uh explain further, please. Yeah, I was like, I explain don't,
0: yourself. Yeah, I was like, I don't know. <laughs> We've already talked in the past, like a coffee rub or like barbecue sauce or something, but hot sauce. We've talked, we talked all those things. Yeah, and so I was just like, you know, this is something that we already do. That every time we hang out, we're like cooking insane meals and just right. going way over the top with it. Usually involves a grill. Yeah, and now we're at this time where you literally can't go to a restaurant. So oh. I'm like, I want a really good meal. Right. <laughs> so right. selfishly, I'm like, let's do this <laughs> yeah, so exactly. that I can gain personally. It, <laughs> it uh, worked
1: out tonight. It was good. That was great. It was as as good of a coffee rub as I could have ever like tested. You know, that's the thing about. That's the thing about uh, like recipe testing and like these sorts of videos is like I think the new form um, and I'm going to like, you know, mention Bon Appetit's videos and their test kitchen videos. The new form of cooking video is not like necessarily something that you have fully fleshed out at and, and, and fully figured out. Like what people are more interested in is the process, and you know, like it doesn't always necessarily work out. Work out, but I think what's more interesting to people is um, content that reflects how they cook in their own home, where they're just trying stuff out, and there's they're taking they're taking risks, and it might not always work out. And I think that that's what naturally happened tonight is like you know we hadn't necessarily tested this rub out, um, but we knew all the components were good. <laughs> nice <laughs> anyway <laughs> but we hadn't necessarily tested it and um but we knew all the components were good and so we were testing it kind of well, like let's as people were watching so,
0: so when i reach out to you and like i've done coffee rubs before they some have been good some have been bad and i go let's do a coffee rub and you start from square one mm-hmm. how do you decide where to start when you're making a rub well
1: I figure out the ingredients and the flavor profiles that you want to highlight. And then in this particular situation, obviously it was the coffee. Um, and I think of the things that I don't want to put into it. Hmm. Um, and in this particular situation, I was thinking like, I don't want to put like herbs into this necessarily. Why is that? But because I feel like, our, our, like the toastiness and like the fruitiness um, and like kind of the cereal notes of coffee – are better um paired with things that are um that are similar to that and if you like things like like and it's also subtle like for the amount of coffee that i wanted to use it's like it's it's the coffee is going to be a subtle flavor so things like um, thyme and rosemary and oregano and like all of those things, those are going to take over immediately and you're not going to be able to taste the coffee. They're not very like complimentary flavors. So immediately those were off the table. But then I was just thinking like, you know, naturally what goes with coffee? And I'm thinking, you know, like coffee's chocolatey kind of inherently, some coffee is, um, and what goes well with chocolate, Chili. And so that's kind of the flavor profile that I, that I based it on is like different types of chilies. Um, And so there was, there was smoked paprika, which is, um, it's a pepper. Um, There was uh, ancho chili, which is kind of like this raisiny dried chili. And then there was chipotle, which is smoked jalapenos. Um, So I was just kind of going for those like really rich, um, those really rich, like almost fruity, smoky flavors versus like an herbaceous punch just because i thought it was going to be better with the coffee herbs i don't know have you ever tasted a coffee that like had like an herbaceousness to it
0: i'm asking i don't know if if you do it's a major flaw in the green coffee (laughs) right that's not a flavor you want to come across in the roasting process but man that final product of that rub yeah seared on that ribeye it was like it formed a nice crust. The mm-hmm. coffee was present. It had like a little bit of heat from the chili in there yep. and like an the aggressive chipotle, amount yeah. of salt like, yeah. for that type of meat. That's what you want. That was like, that was insanely delicious.
1: Well, yeah, it was also salt, and then I, um, it was salt, and then it was also, uh, uh I put some nutritional yeast in there, which is kind of a, 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 a good secret ingredient.
0: Well, so, like, nutritional yeast is something I've heard of, but what purpose does it serve in a rub like that? So,
1: like, the interesting part about, uh, like nutritional yeast is, like, if you, so, um. <laughs> and you, everybody can fact check me on this and I'm, and I'm not going to try and get the story completely. We have like three listeners. Okay. I was going to say, but like, so MSG monosodium glutamate, it's a naturally occurring substance in many things. Um, glutamates specifically, but it has been pegged in the United States. And, um, you know, I'm kind of going in the same school of thought as like, um, I'll just say David Chang, David Chang, Momofuku, Um, has said that the reason people are scared of uh, glutamates and monosodium glutamate is ultimately um, because it was associated with Chinese food. And it was at a time when maybe there was some animosity towards Chinese people in the United States. And people, specifically businessmen, would go into Chinese food restaurants for lunch and they'd gorge themselves with pounds of orange chicken and then they would associate the reason that they felt terrible with the MSG versus the fact that they ate two pounds of orange chicken and so like MSG got this bad rap but really it's a delicious thing and it occurs naturally in food um, you know the Chinese were using it in their food worse now starting to see it more so in, in coming back into food but it's coming in the form of what's called yeast extract so if you look in a bag of like hot Cheetos, they're delicious. I don't care what anybody says. Flame hot Cheetos are delicious. you're saying see... <laughs> that they're not? <laughs> exactly. I'm not, or, not friends with those people. Or Cheez-Its or, you know, like look at your favorite like processed snack. It has something that is called yeast extract. What that essentially is, it's very similar to nutritional yeast. And um, what it lends to the food is like a different kind of saltiness. It's this kind of saltiness that like, like bases. it sounds kind of gross, but like basically forces you to salivate and it like got, gets essentially opens up all of your taste buds to allow for other flavors to come in. So it's like this weird hack that a lot of people are using and have been using for a while. Um, But it's been marketed as a health food Hmm. kind of differently, but also alongside MSG. So you've got like the devil on your shoulder msg and the angel on your soldier or shoulder rather uh yeast extract and they're essentially the same thing they're 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 adding glutamates to the food and that's what like opens your taste buds so that's what it does for the rub kind (laughs) of adds like it it adds like (laughs) that's a very long answer but but i think it's interesting because so many people are like so many people are like Oh, MSP is bad. Well, it it is
0: funny because when you say that, you say MSG, I go bad. Yeah, everybody does. inherently, I'm like, that's bad. You shouldn't even think about eating that. And then if you were to push back on me and be like, why? I'd be like yeah nobody knows what someone somewhere said so yeah it gives you a headache it makes your face red the business side of me goes that's good branding. that's good (laughs) marketing whoever did that msg is bad i need them to market folly is good (laughs) exactly yeah so it's just
1: like it's one of those things that uh it's a naturally derived product um uh yeast extract
0: that is but to the flavor of a uh, of like a dry rub like this it kind of opens up Well, so it's like, it's a saltiness,
1: but it's like a, I don't know how else to describe it. It's like a different type of saltiness. Anytime you go, like get yourself a bag of nutritional yeast. It's like, it's not that expensive and taste some. It's like, it's, it's almost like cheesy in a way, but I don't know how to describe it without making it sound gross, like on its own, but it's almost like, it's like The same thing has been said about me. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah, you you it's are awesome. disgusting.
0: No, but now we've kind of like gotten on this thing where it's like the the different lanes we could take what we're doing. Like, look, at the, we've both decided this is something we want to do already. We don't hang out enough. We we both get really busy. Right. And all of a sudden it's months we're time not. that we don't hang out. Now it's something that we've literally forced ourselves, which is awesome. We're already going. We want to eat. Amazing meals that we're cooking together. Now we've kind of forced ourselves to do it. So at the base of it, that's what this is. Probably. But now we've kind of taken on this like, oh man, that that dry rub is really good. Yeah, we can take what that. Can we do re- with it. We, yeah, we can take that recipe and hopefully, like the recipe alone is something somebody could use and make it. But we could potentially take that. We could potentially bottle that and uh, start getting that to be something somebody could buy. Mm-hmm. And uh, man, it's just can use it
1: on a lot of different things. Like we use it on beef tonight. We can use it on um I think we're talking about future episodes. We yeah. could use it on we could use it on pork. I think it something like that, a dry rub just generally speaking, lends itself better
0: best to like grilled things. And just the fact that we've gone off the rails so far with this one thing where like we have this one rub that oh man, we should do this, <laughs> this a I'm million like, things, right? This comes out of one episode of just hanging out and making like a really awesome ribeye. Yeah. Uh, and so we started talking future episodes. Uh, we went hard in the paint on this episode. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. Go to the store and get this insane ribeye and like every mix we could possibly get. And then we're talking, what can we do in future episodes? For me, things I've already thought of is the obvious one is like breakfast food. Mm-hmm. And so let's go down that rabbit hole for a little bit. Totally. On the, the pairing of coffee with breakfast is obvious. Yeah, yeah. How do you incorporate coffee into a breakfast? Mm-hmm.
1: You know, um, the first thing that comes to mind is, uh, like, red-eye gravy. You ever heard of red-eye gravy? Yeah. Yeah, so, so like, red-eye gravy is, like, was served in truck stops all throughout the South. Traditionally, I think, with ham and, like, grits. And they just pour this, like, it was basically just, like, all the old coffee that they probably poured into a pot in the back and they just didn't want to waste it but it wasn't good enough to serve to people out front. The truckers would complain about it. So they just reduced it down in a pot in the back and then like use it as a gravy over ham. That could be something grits and red eyed gravy with really good coffee. That could be
0: delicious. So like what's as someone who is, Oh, so let's go in your background a little bit. We haven't even talked about that. Sure. So like, what is your background in food? Like how do you get to the point now where, so explain what you do now, explain how you got there.
1: Well, so, um, currently I work at an organization called, uh, it's a nonprofit organization called open arms and we make package and deliver nutritionally tailored meals to people, um, who, uh, who are sick, you know, um, uh, cancer, HIV, AIDS, MS, ALS, it's a fairly simple enrollment process. But basically what we do is we do large batch cooking, um, and we'll make, uh, and we'll deliver the meals to people. Um, on a a once-a-week basis uh, to our different clients. We have about 1,200 clients right now. Um, And, um, you know, with that, it's not like restaurant food because restaurant food is, generally speaking, not very healthy for you, and that's more, our our angle is healthy food. Um, But what led me to that, I'd been cooking in restaurants previously. Um, I've cooked at... um, a lot of different places around town: um, Wiseacre, Upton Forty Three, uh, Grand Cafe, Italian Eatery. Um, back in high school, I cooked at a Chipotle, which was really good for um, like volume. You know, yeah. I don't care what anybody says, Did but Chipotle- they, they cook a lot of meat and they well, cook it
0: fresh. Ch- Chipotle's processes are legit.
1: They are, I mean, and it is. It is a definite like. It's a definite. Um, definitely a highly efficient organization and a highly efficient system that they have going there um and i learned a lot about um doing volume like i mm-hmm. said like it's it's crazy i have a lot of respect for Chipotle and even after uh working there for about a year and a half and eating it almost every single day i still like it well, <laughs> well the <irony laughs> so that's is, something well, to be well, said
0: i went down the rabbit hole as i like pretty much always do anytime i start learning about something was I was like, oh, man, this seems like you hear a lot about Chipotle's like, health issues. Right, right. And I was like, why does this keep happening uh, for an organization that is so big? And the reason they keep having these health things pop up is usually because the avocados and because they are actually like they're using real food. Right, right. That when the, the risk cut, is inherently higher. When you cut into an avocado. Right. The biggest – and I learned this when I was becoming a certified food manager. Uh, When we were building out Folly, I had to be a food manager so that I could build the processes and be licensed to do so. And the person was like, yeah, uh, the thing that keeps happening in Chipotle is when you slice into an avocado, the bacteria on the outside can get into it. Right. And they're like – they're slicing millions of avocados (laughs) a day. And so the process like three that...
1: cases of uh, – three twenty five pound cases of avocados
0: for guacamole every single day, yeah, and so seventy five pounds And so he was like, their processes are beyond anything I've ever seen, mm-hmm. but because they're not doing the bad pro- you know they're using real food, that's what's causing a lot of the inherent risk, right, and that's kind of weird uh the other one was that quick trip uh has really good practices for their sandwiches
1: yeah i've no i mean i've the I, I play I also play in a band and I can honestly say that I've probably eaten at Quick Trip more than I've eaten at
0: any other restaurant ever. He said the reason they're usually out of sandwiches is because they replace them like every few hours. Yeah, yeah. And so this episode is brought to you by Chipotle and Quick Trip. Yeah, so, get at us. So, so you're at all those restaurants. Chipotle, yeah. younger on go on. Yeah, and I, and
1: I've always I've always I've always enjoyed. Um, I've always enjoyed, uh, cooking, you know, growing up, uh, my, my dad was a, he, he was the person who cooked for our family and I would always watch him. You know, the funny part is I don't like, I don't remember him actually like outwardly teaching me anything, but I was always just sitting and watching him. Um, and I think he like knew that and, uh, and i always I, I learned a lot from from him um just like basically on like how to cook and and beyond that like he just cooked good food i feel so like um fortunate that uh i i grew up eating good food because so many people didn't and mm. i think that's a good basis that's a that's the most important basis for being a good cook is knowing what quote unquote good food tastes like and knowing that from a young age um so, yeah, that's that's my background, but um, ultimately, it led me, uh, you know, after cooking in restaurants for a while, I finally got to a point where I was like, well, I want to take this and do something, I, wanna, I want I there to be, like, a social justice component to, like, what I'm doing, um, and so I, like, looked up, <laughs> I literally Googled food nonprofits, and it was, like, Second Harvest Heartland, which is a great organization, but it's not necessarily, like, um, Cooking. Yeah, it's not cooking necessarily. Um and then open arms came up and um initially I wasn't even a chef there. I moved into like volunteer coordination and I wasn't really that great at that. And then I moved into being a cook room at Open Arms and it's been great. But I still the beauty of it is I still get a great opportunity to be because it's a non profit and because I work regular hours, quote unquote regular hours, like, you know, um eight to four. I can still come home and and express myself culinarily. Creatively. Yeah, like creatively yeah. with people. Whereas like before I'd come home from the restaurants and be home at like 1 or 2 a.m. and be like – on my days off, I'd be like eating, you know, box mac and cheese because the last thing I wanted to do was cook. So it's kind of a blessing in disguise. Like no, I'm not necessarily being able to like cook things um, – at, in the workplace that are like
0: pushing the, boundaries. pushing the
1: boundaries or anything like that. But when I come home, I have the energy to like do that on my own where it doesn't like where there's very little pressure, yeah. you know, and I can just do it for fun, which is exciting and I like that.
0: Yeah. So let's talk future episodes here. Yeah. So we went hard in the paint for episode one ribeye, ribeye, like two and a half inch thick ribeye seared with a coffee dry rub with some veggies on the side absolutely killer my key takeaways from this if you don't watch that episode one when you're cooking steak have the onions around it yeah it's a white castle or thing. even on top of it yeah. on top of it around it like as you're cooking that have like with the white onions
1: uh yeah spanish onions yes. yellow onions in yeah, that y- case, uh, yeah. yeah yellow yep. sweet
0: onions have that around there like got some of that flavor injected into there the second thing I I've never done that you said that kind of sparked a light bulb in right, my
1: head. your interest
0: was oil in the dry rub before rubbing it on the meat. Why just is that? a
1: very little, just a very little bit because um, it just like you, you, if you watch the episode like you said, or if you don't, um, like when you put that little bit of oil in there, it essentially like starts to it starts to stick to whatever you put it on, where, which is the problem with rubs. Is like they'll only all only part of it will stick, only the fine particulate will stick to whatever you're cooking. Whereas if you add a little bit of oil to it to where it's like a paste, then you can essentially like slab it on there and it'll stay on. And so it just allows you to more fully season a piece of meat, more um thoroughly season a piece of meat. That said, you have to be a little bit more disciplined in the amount of like salt that you add because the salt that you do add is going to stay on there a lot of places or a lot of people will say oh salt is heavily because half of it's going to fall off into the grill yeah. that's not necessarily going to be the case with the oil part
0: and then the last part was seasoning the steak for an hour before we even put mm-hmm. it on the grill yep you want to so, like which season- is a Kevin hot take. <laughs> yeah, the reason
1: the re some and I think a lot of people agree with me, but some people don't, some uh because of the salt component.
0: Would it, you call them haters? They
1: are definitely Ugh. haters. They think that you should salt it immediately before you put it on the grill because the salt is gonna draw out moisture and that's gonna like inhibit a sear, but like like I said in the episode, it doesn't really matter if your grill is hot enough, it's gonna sear the steak. It's gonna burn off that water. The benefit of uh, seasoning it ahead of time is that that salt is going to, like, actually penetrate the meat further than versus just, like, season the outside
0: and then have unseasoned meat in the middle. It's a two-and-a-half-inch steak. got to give it time. Yeah, whatever you did, that's the right way to do it because as we're eating this (laughs) – It was good. Man, as we're eating it, I'm like – because I do this with everything, whether it's coffee. It was food. salty, but it was good, like not bad salty. It was like it was seasoned. No, it's like I do this with everything, like coffee, food, whatever. As I'm eating, it, I go, "What could be better about this?" Which is probably not a good way to approach life. But, That's the way I do. But I'm eating this, going like, "Okay, what could be better?" I'm like, "Man, it's got like a little bit of that heat from the chili. Mm-hmm. It's got like a really nice level of saltiness where it's like not drying, and the coffee is present in the end is." It was great. I think this is it. We nailed <laughs> Episode it. Episode one is in in the can.
1: Um, future future episodes though, we were talking about. And so obviously there's grilled meats, yeah. But I think we should do some like, um, we should do some desserts. Like let's make a chocolate cake with coffee, with like an espresso frosting.
0: Yeah.
1: Espresso fro like a uh, a uh, espresso buttercream, and um, you know, like you could actually like make or put coffee Ooh. in the in the cake Ooh, itself. I, kinda, I,
0: I like the way you're doing this i like so we've we've got breakfast and very quickly decided on whatever that gravy thing red eye was. it's called red eye yep that's what i said uh <laughs> and then second we went to dessert naturally next like if you went flourless would that get too rich or like no no we could do like a tort i think some, that would be killer we could do like a flourless chocolate torte
1: with like an espresso frosting, um, espresso buttercream frosting.
0: We've talked about we could do a cocktail episode. That would be really cool. It'd be really cool to get some uh, other like Twin Cities professionals into with our network of people we know to start doing episodes with other people who specialize in that kind of world. Like, right. Like, like mixologists. And I was thinking like, you know, Katie over at Angel Food. We could do like a baking episode. Definitely. Uh, man. There's some really, that, that and that's what I get excited about. Is like, I'd be lying if I said I'm not busy, and I'm a little worried that this is going to put me over that. But right, I'm, right. Oh, but this almost schedules things that I want to do. Yeah, yeah. As a way of also working. Right, right. It's it's both. Have you seen
1: um the other thing I was thinking about? Have you seen it's blown up all over Instagram the uh, Dalgonica? Yeah, Dalgonica. I
0: already. Yeah, I already did a video about it. Um, we do – It's is, instant coffee. That's a thing. This would be the first time I officially announced it. We have instant coffee. <laughs> yeah. You do? Yeah. <laughs> uh, is it just – like what is instant well, coffee? Well, so I to- – okay. So first of all, our instant coffee – I don't even coffee, know what it is. Our instant coffee that we got is delicious. Yeah, uh, I bet. Uh, <laughs> so there's this company called Sudden Coffee. Sudden Uh, Coffee. That's a great name. So they're based out of California. And they've been around for a couple of years, I think. And I read about them like over a year ago and was immediately intrigued and reached out to them. I was like, oh, can we work with you? And they're like, no, we don't work with other roasters. It's just our own brand. We're Sudden Coffee. It's our instant coffee. And then um, like five, six months ago, they announced that – or they didn't even announce. They started working with roasters because I saw someone post their coffee. So I immediately reached out again. I was like, I want to work with you. And they're like, oh, I don't know. We're really selective about who we work with. And then they reviewed our coffee and looked at what we were doing and did research and then reached out. Oh, actually, we'd be willing to work with you. And I just said yes without any of the like, how much is it? What are we going to do with this? What would the price to consumer be and all this? And so like we did it. We've got the coffee. And now I've got this instant coffee that I don't know what to do with. But we should do that. I know. And I, that's why I filmed it's it. It's like, it's, it's falling in your lap. I know. I know. And, and so I'm like, There's finally a use for instant I, coffee. I know. I literally have the video where I made the whipped coffee, the Dalgona coffee. And now I'm like, I just need to time it. Right. But right. Right. We can. Now is the time. Maybe this, uh, platform is how we launch it. You know, <laughs> uh,
1: my, one of my coworkers, uh, shout out to Joanne, uh, she has made it a couple of times for us at, at open arms and in, as the base she's used. Um, cause you know, like the coffee itself is like the whipped part, like that's yeah, the coffee yeah. component. And, uh, uh, but the, the, there's always like a base, whether it be like milk or whatever. Um, but she used like coconut milk with mm. it. And it was delicious. Like the coconut with the coffee was super, super good. I don't know how that would pair necessarily with folly, but let's do it.
0: No, it's good. That would be good. That would be good. And then the other part of this is not just like cooking with coffee where coffee is like in it, but also coffee pairing because it's something that's really popular in wine and beer, but you don't see a lot with coffee is like pairing the coffee you're drinking with the food you're eating. And I think that's another component. I think
1: that that's, I, mean, I think that's too. hard. Like, have you, have you been, I don't have a lot, I'm, I'm going to be completely honest. I I don't have a lot of experience with that. Like, what are, what are things that you would consider to be like good pairings with coffee? Well, Obviously breakfast comes to mind, but.
0: Well, because the flavor that comes to mind when people think of coffee, and this is, this is really what we drive home at Folly is that, when people think of coffee, they consider coffee to be a flavor. Hmm. So like Dalgona coffee is a great example. Or whipped coffee. It's just like, oh, it's coffee flavored. Right. And that to me, literally like that. our website, the, the main thing is like, tastes like coffee. It's like, that doesn't make sense because that'd be like saying, oh, it tastes like red wine. Right, right. And you go, well, okay, I have There's an idea. so many of, other flavors you know, that could be right, in there. Right, right. I have an idea of what you mean by red wine, but are you talking a Moscato that is going to be like... Having a Jolly Rancher, or are you talking like a really delicate, like Pinot Noir? That's right. very light and kind of. And so that's how I look at coffee that there's a full range of flavors where most people, the coffees that they drink are, you know, your Starbucks or whatever, are dark roasted. They have like that super, you know, bitter, favorable side, dark chocolate, but really probably kind of bitter. Add cream and sugar. But... I'll say it bitter. <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> like. You know, our classic Joe, our espresso kind of lean towards that side in in terms of like that chocolatey profile, like sweet. So like the, our espresso, the SOB is probably the most like rich in terms of like sweet and chocolatey. You're most like you're closest to that because a portion of it is roasted a little darker. Right, right. Classic Joe is more like nutty. But then you get towards the other end, like our house being in our winer where you start the house bean you get really fruit forward the winer you get some really like bright acidity so there's some coffees when you brew them in a certain type of way you do get like a almost like citrus acidity to right, it right right uh you do get like some like red berry some blueberry notes to it that if you were to drink those coffees and that's why like a lot of third wave style roasters say don't drink this with milk it's not because coffees aren't good with milk like those kind of coffees the sweeter ones are right and like if if i have our espresso with a little milk that's going to taste great if you have the espresso with winer, it tastes funky yeah because you're like oh like, that's kind of lemon milk yeah yeah. that's it's not what you want it's weird yeah and so there are certain types of pairings you can do in that sense that like what would you pair a more citrusy style brew with versus something that's a lot sweeter and then brewing ratios play a a factor into it whether it's like espresso that's super rich that it's going to be very intense or something like a like a pour over that's going to be a little bit more delicate and tea like
1: so would you say that like I, and obviously I'll do some research on this, but like, would you say that like things like the, the, the best comparison I think is, is wine mm-hmm. because you know, there are different uh, in the same way that there are different types of uh, beans and different types of ways to, to roast the beans and different levels of roasting, and like, like they, they, you know, yeah, all like the, all the processing methods, like that's the same with like, I, well, all grapes, but I'm thinking red wine because those
0: are the flavor profiles that are, like, more... That's how I compare it. I don't, some people would be like, oh, coffee's like wine. It's like, no. If you look at a white wine, it looks, it's, it looks different. Yeah. Coffees all look the same right. in a way when you brew them. But, like, a darker roast might be, like, thicker, more dark, whatever. Right. But I do compare it that way. Like, to red wine. Yeah. That, yeah. That, I think coffee, the flavor spectrum and being able to pair it would be similar to the range that you could pair a red wine. So...
1: I think the interesting part about it then are like the I think like food is about semantics. Like food is about like how you how you talk about it and um I think that's what am I trying to say? Basically it's like you can you can make something gross just by the way that you describe it. Yeah. Or you can make it delicious.
0: I used to do that at Sam Adams. <laughs> I used to mess with people because they knew I was the beer expert, right? I would describe flavors in that beer that were not present and people would be like, Oh my gosh. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Like you can make it, you can make something a certain way just by the way that you describe it. Um, and I, so my point with that is, is like trying to get like, I guess with red wine, I'm thinking like, Oh, like pasta, trying to get people's brains to be like coffee and pasta.
0: Right. No, might be a little bit difficult. I, I get what you're saying, and that's actually a really good point, that when you say coffee, like uh, Annalace, uh over northeast, good luck, like, tough situation there with the fire that just happened. But right. I would say they were doing this cool thing where this summer they were doing a coffee lemonade. Yeah. And if you said that, kind of people sound, be like, "What the hell sounds really that? funky. But yeah. if you do a really bright, acidic coffee, with a lemonade, that pairs really nicely. Yeah. And so it it's is... like changing
1: it, people's perspectives. Yeah, yeah, it is
0: a little bit different. And kind of that's what we're doing at Philterra too with cold brew. That's like, hey, it's not just this super sweet thing. It can be really bright. It can be lively. Um, yeah, there's lots of different things. You can so that's do.
1: the thing that we're up against with this, with, with um, not up against, That's that's the awesome challenge mm-hmm. that we have in these episodes to not necessarily go like the safe route like chocolate cake, like I say, and maybe try to do things that are like,
0: like that's a good point.
1: uh Maybe try to do things that challenge people's perspectives on what coffee is, and... or do
0: stuff that we're like, is this gonna be good? <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
1: just that, and that that goes back to like what I was saying earlier, where where you like the, part of like being in a test kitchen, quote unquote, is like it might not be good. That's yeah. the whole point of testing it out, and that's the fun, like us videoing that or like taking video of that is the, and people seeing it fail is that's just as fun as seeing a success, maybe even more fun.
0: Yeah do uh do an episode just purely experimental things
1: experimental like take a coffee that reminds us of a particular red wine look at the tasting notes of that red wine cuz usually on bottles of wine they'll be like oh enjoy this yeah. with x x and try and do like a meal based on the tasting notes of the red wine And see if it paired just as well with the coffee. I like it. I don't know. Something like that.
0: that We could do that.
1: Try enjoying coffee at different temperatures. Obviously, you know, you can enjoy coffee, hot, cold. I don't mind at room temperature either. Yeah. I don't mind, you know, like, I think that's part of it. Like, I feel like cold brew would do really well with certain things. Like, hot coffee with hot pasta might be a little bit weird. Right.
0: (laughs) Yeah. No, there's lots of different ways to go with it. And that's why I'm really excited about this is... I think we will get to a point after four or five episodes where we're like, what do we do now? Yeah. Where we do the obvious stuff like, oh, a dry rub, nice. Oh, a barbecue sauce, sure. Like, oh, a dessert, cool. And hot all of a sauce. sudden you're like, yeah, hot sauce. Uh, even that's not super obvious. No, but no, no. All of a sudden you get to that point And then I'll, I think we will get to a point where it's going it's to be like, what now? You know what we should do? We should do a mole. Ooh, mole would be Or awesome.
1: they, they, you know, like normally there's some sort of like a bittersweet yeah. or a, a, a bitter chocolate in there. Um, we can do coffee, It'd be good. I like it. Chicken mole. No, I, I think this there's is gonna gelata. be a
0: super fun series. Uh, like I said, I'd be willing to do this even if we weren't doing this for the sake of hashtag Folly Twenty Twenty content. Content. But, um, to the more pressing issues that it's it's kind of emotionally difficult for me to bring up but um your takes on love is blind <laughs> <laughs> oh I, th- I think we should dive into this a little bit to end the episode because oh my this is something that's very important to me well um, well first what do you want to know
1: because first i, I want to know
0: how you know how did you decide first to watch it
1: well, like many folks, um, you know, it, it, goes without saying there's, there like a lot of people have a lot, a lot more free time on their hands and you know, you're scrolling through Netflix and they essentially, um, you can't get through it without, you can't get through your, 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 uh, choices, mm-hmm. your cue without, without seeing love is blind. Mm-hmm. That's the thing about producing your own stuff. You can force people to watch stuff. So I feel like I've been forced to a certain degree, but you know what? I'm happy about it because it was, um. Uh,
0: it's quite entertaining. What was your attitude going into it? Were, were you open-minded that, hey, you know what?
1: My my attitude was um, I finally understand the need for smut TV that um, my mom and sisters have been fulfilling with The
0: Bachelor their whole lives. So before you started watching it, did you think you would like it?
1: The moment I saw the preview and Nick Lachey said, uh, "What's his wife's name? Vanessa."
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Vanessa comes out. And she's like, "Hi, I'm Vanessa Lachey." And I think that might be her name. <laughs> her Valerie. <laughs> it starts with a V. Yeah, I know. And, Vanessa and, sounds right. And, and then Nick comes out and he's like, "I'm obviously Nick Lachey." That's the moment that I knew I was going to like the show. <laughs> He's like, <laughs> Vanessa comes out. Hi, I'm Vanessa Lachey. And, and Nick goes, and I'm obviously Nick Lachey. That's the moment I was like, this is just the right kind of awful.
0: I wanted to hate it. and So here, here was my take on it. No. I thought that the people in the show were like, oh, this is a Netflix show. I can get famous. Which there were people on there. Many. I think Gianina. I think,
1: yeah, you know, she. I kinda, follow her on Instagram now.
0: She's heavy on the gram. For she's sure. very heavy. On and the gram. so, but even then I think her and Damien powers, which by the way is an evil villain name.
1: And he has dead eyes and looks that, psycho.
0: Okay. I'm glad we're both. On, see, this is why we need to talk about this. Okay. <laughs> so my, my first take was that, Oh, I, this is just people who want to get famous on Instagram, which apparently that's what the bachelor is now that when you on the bachelor, your new career is that you were on the bachelor. Yep. Uh, and so I thought that's, that's nice. what it was, but then I realized, oh wait, there are people on this. Almost everyone on the show seems to be genuine. That this is their way to find
1: love. Love. You're talking about Love Is Blind. That's that's what you. Think? I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I you're mean, right, right.
0: I mean, they're saying they that. did a great like, job. I, they're saying like, this this just makes sense. I've tried everything else.
1: <laughs> now I don't want to see the person ever, and I want to. The, the The part that just blew me away was like. And obviously, there's a lot of editing going on, but where it was like first episode, and I think it was Cameron and um, Lauren. Cameron's a robot,
0: and he and, and I think Cameron's like, resting heart rate is like 18 beats per minute. Yeah, and it he's frees just me so efficient. <laughs> he's efficient,
1: and uh, and uh, they like by the end of the first episode, like I think I love you, and I was like, oh Jesus Christ, like it. It, it was a very entertaining show um and it was just short enough you know what i mean like it didn't last too long
0: my favorite meme i saw about it was like this show is trash uh, i hate that i watched it i'll take two more seasons right away please <laughs> and exactly. i was like, that they probably ready that up perfect they probably have them ready to go oh man i'm you don't want to like it but no it. but i love it that's what i'm saying that's ex- that's the exact feeling i had no me and uh,
1: my roommate rose who lives in this house with me hence the
0: roommate <laughs> situation it's an accurate <laughs> description of what a roommate is go we on. were
1: we would both sit here and we'd just be like why are, why are we watching? oh this is why we're watching this like it would just constantly remind you
0: like you, you watch know. it and you go you know what I'm doing okay. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I'm, I'm doing all right.
1: Exactly. I who had is your favorite? Who is your favorite couple, and why?
0: <sighs> favorite couple to watch?
1: No. Yeah. 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 I suppose. Not like the the real fam- favorite couple. Well, see, that's the
0: uh-huh. that's a good question. Ooh, um, Rose
1: might be getting home, in which case, yeah, there's Rose. Rose. Join us. Walk in. We're talking about Love Is Blind. Okay. On a podcast. I was just about to talk about my favorite couple. (laughs) On Love is Fine. We're almost done. This is how we're wrapping up the podcast.
0: It's an an episode about coffee and cooking, clearly. Okay. I think the couple that seemed the most genuine was Lauren and Cameron, which scared me how genuine it seemed. Mm -hmm. It made me worried for both
1: They were the first ones to say I love you, too.
0: My favorite couple to watch was Mark and Jessica. I felt terrible for Mark (sighs) because he was... Very clearly into it, and
1: I didn't understand Mark until uh, like w- like how he looked until I saw his mom, and then I saw his mom, and I was like, Jesus Christ, they are a raccoon family. They had like these, they had these big like he's just always... always on like open and concerned eyes, and I was like, Jesus Christ, like he seems there's there's got to be something wrong with that guy and then you see his mom it's like oh he got he got his beautiful eyes from his mom yeah um he, that was a very tense conversation at the dinner table when jessica well and Mark she keeps
0: wanting the age thing to be an issue and everyone's like yeah that's cool <laughs> and she's like my favorite was that it's like he just seems so emotional he just seems so ready for this and that is very concerning to me i was like Oh yeah, emotional availability clearly is something she's not looking for. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, but the favorite couple... He is 24. It's kind of weird. The favorite couple to watch was Damien Powers and Jeanina. It's... it's it... A classic uh, dramatic love story. I like anyone that says I'm a self-sabotager because I, I kind of thought about that. I don't think you can be aware that you're a self-sabotager yeah. because someone who actually self-sabotages isn't aware of it because if you're aware of it, you wouldn't do it. So if you're aware of it and you say yourself sabotage, you're self-sabotager, you're intentionally doing You're it, using it as which an, as an excuse. It's not sabotage No. Nope. to yourself. No. Nope. It's just that's what you want. But yeah. And that you just enjoy the drama. You just enjoy the drama. Yeah. So on that note, I thought the dry rub today was really great. <laughs> <laughs> I'm excited for a future episodes. Me too, dude. I think this will be a killer it's be fun. Uh, yeah, I think this will be a killer series. And I'm excited to see how it edits out. Yeah, and man. for the sake of Rose just getting home, we will.
1: Let, we're gonna wrap up. Um, for the record, I'm pretty sure that Rose also really enjoyed watching Mark and Jessica. In case anybody was wondering,
0: that was yeah the
1: next that, question, yeah, I think. cliffhanger.
0: So on that note, I'll end every episode as I do and say, have a good day. Have a good night. I think that's how. yep. Yeah.